0: Welcome back, Missio family. Today, you'll hear Pastor Josh talk about how God's purpose for us is to partner with Him in spreading the gospel. Life makes a lot more sense when we center ourselves in the gospel. If you have any questions about Missio, you'd like to join a missional community, or you have any prayer requests, please contact us at missio.life.
1: Well, good morning, Missio family, welcome. And if this is your first time with us, special welcome to you. We're glad to have you with us today. I'm pretty excited about tonight, to be honest. We have our last event of the summer. Summer's slipping away, I don't know if you feel it. It was like 40-some degrees when I got out of bed this morning. I'm like, what? So the weather is changing, and this is our last event. We're gonna be out in the parking lot. It's gonna be awesome. Uh, We're gonna have people coming out from the neighborhoods that surround us. We're kind of a little bit of a, a secret here. People don't really know that we meet in this strange white building because there's not a lot of signage, but hopefully we can meet some of the folks who live close by here and be a blessing to the community that we're placed in. So I have to ask this morning, by a show of hands, who knows where the center of the universe is? Raise your hand if you know where the center of the universe is. i am seeing a couple hands. Do you know where it's at? Where? It's where? I don't get it. Is this a joke? You're stealing my thunder here, man. No, but seriously, the the center of the universe, and I know that some of you have been to Oklahoma. There's a place in Tulsa, Oklahoma called the center of the universe, and I've been there, okay? Because I used to live there. Someone's raising their hand in the back. So I actually have a picture of this, can we put up the slide? So this right here, you can see the structure, it's a walking path, and where those people are standing in that ring of, of concrete, that's called the center of the universe. And if you stand right here, something very magical happens in the center of the universe. The next slide shows my son Jack, we went down earlier this year, I took Jack to the center of the universe and he stood there. And what happens when you stand on that spot is you speak, and your voice, it, it echoes off of those, those, that concrete ring. And the engineers that made this, they didn't even know they were doing it. It was like an anomaly. It was an accident. But they figured it out, and so now it's become like this tourist attraction where people go to the center of the universe, and you stand there, and if you speak loudly or yell, people outside of the circle can't even hear you. All of that sound comes right back to you, and you can even whisper, and it's like super loud. It's the craziest thing. But if you take a step just off to the side of it, then it's normal. Then all bets are off, and it's just normal life. But if you stand right in the center of that, things really just bounce around, and it's crazy. So I, I got to tell you, this isn't actually the center, center of the universe. I hate to break it to you, but Tulsa, Oklahoma is not the center of the universe. I don't know where it is, but I'm pretty sure it's not Tulsa. It's not that special. But this is a place downtown that you can go, and it's pretty neat. And the reason I bring this up is because our lives are a little bit like that structure, like the center of the universe. When we stand centered in the gospel, centered in Jesus, in Christ, life makes sense. We understand the way things work and everything kind of flows the way God intended it to. But when we even take a step off and we start to lose our alignment with God and with his purpose for our lives with the gospel, it doesn't work. And our lives are like that. And so not only are our lives out of sync, but we don't have joy. And we've been talking about joy in this series. We're in week two of our series in the book of Philippians. And last week we talked about how the Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the church in Philippi. And he said, hey, you guys are my friends. And, and, and there's just really a joyful tone to that letter if you read through it. And you wouldn't know if Paul didn't tell us, but he's actually imprisoned. He's in a bad situation. He's chained to a guard on house arrest. And he's like, hey, I'm joyful, guys. I'm glad for you. And and it's really just an odd thing when you think about it, in spite of his circumstances, that he could have joy. But he had joy in his circumstances because he trusted God. He said, you know what, God? I'm here for you. My life belongs to you. I'm centered in your plan, centered in the gospel. And you can do with me what you want so he had joy amidst his circumstances, no matter where he was, which happened to be chained to a prison guard, that he could say, I have joy. But what we tend to do in life is we say, well, I want my life to look a certain way. I want to have you know, a spouse and kids and a job and success and money and whatever our vision for our perfect life is, we have that in our minds. And when it doesn't come true or things don't line up that way, Then we put God on trial and we say, God, why don't you love me? Why aren't you good? Why don't you care about me? And we start to accuse him of all of our things that that aren't lining up in our vision for our life. Paul could have done that. God, why am I in prison? I'm supposed to be this church planner, this ministry guy, this missionary. And yet here I am chained to some dude around the clock. He said, no, I I trust God with my life. And we're going to get into this more here in our text in just a minute. But a change of perspective can really affect everything for us. It changes the way we see life, the way we understand, and and we can experience joy no matter where we find ourselves based on the reality that God is God and He's got this. So let's go to the text today. We're going to go to Philippians 1. Um, I'm in the NLT, if that's helpful for you, if you want to put it on your Bible app. And we're going to read from verse 12 through verse 26. So starting in 12... This is what Paul says, and I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. It's true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry, but others preach Christ with pure motives. They preach because they love me, for they know I have been appointed to defend the good news. The others do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely, intending to make my chains more painful for me. But that doesn't matter. Whether their motives are false or genuine, the message about Christ is being preached either way, and so I rejoice. I will continue to rejoice, for I know that as you pray for me, and the Spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, this will lead to my deliverance. For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past, and I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ whether I live or die. For to me, living means living for Christ, and dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ, so I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between the two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me, but for your sakes, it's better that I continue to live. Knowing this, I'm convinced that I will remain alive so I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. And when I come to you again, you will have even more reason to take pride in Christ Jesus because what he is doing through me. So Paul explains at the beginning of his passage how he is in chains for Christ. He says, hey, God has put me where I'm at. He's put me in this prison, this house arrest, and he's chained me to these guards for his purposes. I maybe don't like it. I I don't understand it, but I'm here because God wants me to be here. And he said, it's actually a good thing. The gospel's spreading. It's going to Rome. That's where he was. He says, the gospel is spreading because I'm here imprisoned. And by the way, he says, I'm I'm in chain to these guards and they all know about Christ because the way that it worked, these were, this was Emperor Nero's um, elite prison guards and they had to guard Paul around the clock. Now he had some freedom. He could have visitors come, but he couldn't leave. He could write letters and he could send them out. That's where the book of Philippians came from. But these guards were like on a four hour shift and they would take turns being chained. I and mean, we talk about a bummer job. Can you imagine just sitting there all day? Like, oh, okay. And so they're, they're chained to Paul and he's like, all right, if you're going to be chained to me, you're going to hear about Jesus. You talk about a captive audience, right? They're chained to him literally. And so he gets to tell them about Jesus. He said, you're, you're, you're going to be sitting here with me. You're going to know this is the gospel. And so... Paul is chained to these guards, and he's he's happy that the gospel has spread. He's got joy for the spread of the gospel. But he also says, because of my imprisonment, other people have become more confident and more bold to speak about Jesus. And he said, they're, they're empowered because they saw that Paul was persevering amidst his prison. He was still talking about Jesus, still serving the Lord. And so they were able to do the very same thing. They say, if Paul can do it, I can do it. And honestly, they had a lot more at stake than we do. Like back then, you'd get thrown in jail and there was a very good chance that Paul was going to be executed. Emperor Nero was not a nice guy. He was not sending Christmas cards to Paul, right? He was, he was ready to execute him. And so Paul knew that death was very much a possibility and the other Christians there knew that too and they said, hey, you know what, we can be bold. We don't, we don't have to be fearful, Verse 14, it says, and because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. So because of his imprisonment, they were emboldened to talk about Jesus. Now, when I hear the word being bold or or think of that being bold for Jesus, uh, I think of it in in a certain context. I was a part of a church uh, a few years back where um, they went out and stood on the street corner with signs and like yelled at people. Like, that was their idea of being bold for Jesus. And I was like, Ooh, I don't know if I want to do that. And the thing was, people would drive by and they'd roll their windows up or they'd flip them off or they'd turn up the radio. It wasn't super effective. Let's just be honest. Like, being bold that way was more like being belligerent. That was like being belligerent with the gospel. And boldness for Jesus doesn't mean that we are belligerent with the gospel book of proverbs gives us some wisdom about tone because here's the thing the message matters yes we want to be bold with the gospel of jesus but how we communicate makes a difference the tone that we use the heart behind it the way that we communicate with somebody makes a huge difference the way we communicate a message can be just as important as the message itself you believe that's true Married people, can I get an amen this morning? You could have a message for your spouse and say, it's true, but the way that you communicate it, it can be totally rejected because of the tone and the heart and the attitude that you bring. makes all the difference in the world. And it's biblical. Look at what Proverbs 15.1 says. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Proverbs 25, through patience, a ruler can be persuaded and a gentle tongue can break the bone. So maybe rather than thinking of boldness as being the guy on the corner with a bullhorn, then maybe boldness has more to do with what it actually says here about fear. It says, boldly speak God's message without fear. So it has less to do with being belligerent and more to do with just not having fear right? Taking a risk. And that's what the people were doing around Paul is they were saying, hey, we're going to take a risk. We might get arrested. We might get thrown in jail. We're going to, we're going to still talk about Jesus. I don't know about you, but I don't feel like I might get thrown in jail for talking about Jesus. We, we live in America. We have the freedom of speech. We don't have to, to worry about that. But we do have fear about other things. We have fear about, well, what does that person think about me? Will they reject me if I bring up my faith, if I start talking about Jesus? Does that get weird? Do they just not want to hang out with me anymore? Like, we have those kinds of fears. But see, boldness is taking action with the gospel in spite of risk. So we take a risk. And sometimes it's a relational risk. Imagine that I have a friend who I've spent some time with and i built a relationship with. And they're getting to know me. And, and that's part of friendship as we reveal who we are to somebody else. Well, for me, my relationship with Jesus is pretty important. It's actually the most important thing about me. And if I'm building a relationship with them, I want them to know that God's changed my life. Not in some weird, like super spiritual way, but like it's real. It's transformational. And I want to share that with them. And I don't really love that person if I don't ever share that. If I withhold that and say, uh, eh, I just want to keep you as a friend, it's kind of selfish. And that's not taking a risk. That's not being bold but being bold has a sense of urgency, like, hey, I care about you. I want you to have a relationship with God just like I do, because it's the most important thing ever. And so it means taking a risk, living without fear. I think that's what boldness looks like. Not so much yelling at cars as they drive by. Paul goes on to talk about people who preached the gospel because they had wrong motives. They preach with jealousy or rivalry. It so says they preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely. They wanted to make Paul's situation worse. Now, I don't really know who these people were. I don't know what had happened. I don't know if they had unfriended each other on Facebook. You know, Maybe they had some issues and they parted ways. Text just really doesn't tell us. But these were people who didn't like Paul. And they're like, well, we don't like you, Paul, so we're going to preach the gospel to get back at you. I mean okay, that's an interesting thing to do. I can think of a lot of uh, other underhanded things to do to somebody other than, you know, preaching their message, but, but Paul said, you know what, it doesn't matter. They have wrong motives, I can rejoice because the gospel is being spread. He said, that's the most important thing is the good news about Jesus, and it's being spread. Even though they have wrong motives, even though they're not doing it with the right heart, I can rejoice, Okay, Paul could have said, hey, I'm super bummed out right now because I'm in jail and I'm chained to this guy and now all these people are making my life miserable talking about me and, and you know trying to hurt me by preaching the gospel. He says, no, I rejoice because the gospel is going out. The good news is being spread. Verse 18, whether their motives are false or genuine, the message about Christ is being preached either way and so I will rejoice and I will continue to rejoice. So Paul chose to have a positive attitude. He said, "I'm not going to get bummed out about this. The message of the gospel is going out. I can rejoice in that. I can be okay with that." By the way, has anyone in this room ever done anything with wrong motives? Done something good with wrong motives? Have you ever served Jesus with wrong motives? I have, and I know you have. I mean, we all have. That's we're not perfect. And so we do, sometimes we do good things. We serve or we, we do something for God and it, really there's a selfish undercurrent. And so I'm so glad that God doesn't just like wipe us all out because we're not perfect. He says, no, I'm gonna still use you. And those people that were preaching the gospel with selfish ambition, God still used it. He's bigger than that. He's more powerful than that. And Paul knew that. He said, hey, I can rest in that. Guess what? It's God's kingdom. It's not Paul's kingdom. It's not Josh's kingdom. It's not your kingdom. We just get to trust God and say, okay, God, you're in charge. And there may be some things we need to work out along the way with relationships. But in this case, Paul said, hey, guess what? They're preaching the gospel. Good on them. Just let them go. Paul wrote this in Romans 14. Who are you to judge the servant of another? To his own master he stands or falls, and he will stand for the Lord is able to make him stand. See, when we live centered in the gospel, we say, this is Jesus's message. And if he's going to use somebody else to proclaim it, so be it. I don't have to judge that person. I don't have to fix that person. Because guess what? We live in a world, there's a lot of churches, there's a lot of Christians, there's a lot of ministries that are doing things different. You guys notice that? I know you have, right? We have social media. And everybody's arguing about, well, this person says that, or that person teaches this, or they're wrong, we're right. Good grief. Tiring. And it steals our joy because when we live with a judgmental attitude, trying to fix everybody else, or say, well, they should do it this way or they should do it that way, we lose the joy. Paul says, hey, they have wrong motives. It's okay. Let them preach the gospel. And he was able to have joy without a judgmental attitude. I had a pastor friend of mine, he, um, there was a church plant that moved into the city where he was at, and he, he confided in me, he said, hey, I'm really having a hard time with this church plant. They were, he was in an established church, had been there a long time. He said, I just don't agree with what they're doing. I don't like their vision, they're doing some, their worship service like a rock concert, and, and he just had all these things, and I'm like, well, what's the problem? Well, I just don't like it. And he had lost a few families. A few families had left that church and gone over to this church plant. But he was super bitter. And he shared this with me. And then he came back to me about a week later. He said, you know what? I've had a change of heart. God dealt with me in my bitterness. He goes, I realized that I couldn't, I couldn't celebrate with them. Lives are being changed. The gospel's spreading in our, our city that we're both in. And God's using them. He said, I couldn't be happy for them because I was so selfish and focused on me and us. He said, God dealt with me, and actually the verses that we just read is what he shared with me. So whether their motives are pure or not, the gospel's being proclaimed, and he was able to have joy. He was able to realign his heart and say, God, this is your kingdom. These are your people. It's not up to me to fix everybody or make sure everybody falls in line with the way that I want things to be done. So focusing on the spread of the gospel gives us joy because we're aligning with God's heart. We're saying, God, that's what you're up to I'm going to be about what you're up to. I'm not going to be focused on just my little thing over here. I want to pause for two questions of discussion. And if you're new with us, we do this sometimes. Hopefully it's not super weird, but we just talk and we process a little bit internally what's going on. The first question that I want to ask is this. Can you think of a time that you had a judgmental attitude toward another Christian or ministry? Don't name names. (laughs) But can you think of a time, and if you can, how did that affect your heart? What did that do to your heart internally? Blessing Lord. Say that again.
0: Blessing, Lord. Right on.
1: Yeah. You get to a point where you say, Bless them. God's using them. Yeah. But if you had a judgmental attitude, how did that hurt your heart? Sorry, who said that? Say it loud. Oh, you're talking to your son. Okay. <laughs> Baby talk. What does that do to our heart when we're judgmental? Breaks it. Hardens it. I think it's like an anger that holds down. It feels joy. He talked about living with joy. It's like a freedom to be free and joyful, but that doesn't like anger holding back. Yeah, anger. That's another thing that comes in, right? He said if you're joy, you're free. If, you, if, you're, if you're free, you can live with joy, but as soon as that anger comes in towards somebody else, it robs it, it takes it away. Anchor. Well, I changed it. What were you going to say? Resentment and, resentment and bitterness. Yeah, it, it just erodes our heart. Like, you guys like to be around resentful people, bitter people? No. I don't, I don't. Second question is this Why do you think it is possible to have joy over the spread of the gospel in spite of wrong motives? So say there's another church ministry Christian out there doing something for Jesus and you know their motives are wrong maybe they're selling tons of books I don't know, you know personal gain, whatever why is it okay that we can have joy over the spread of the gospel? Doesn't it matter that their motives are right? It's a little trickier question what do you guys think? God can use them either way how so? Yeah. God's word is powerful. Doesn't return void. What else? Yeah. Right. Yeah. God God we don't know the heart of the person receiving, so the, the messenger might not be have have the right motives but God still uses it there's a story in the old testament I just thought of this that uh, God speaks through a donkey you guys know that story I don't know I don't I'm saying something about myself right now but uh God can speak however he wants he can use whoever he wants okay and he's bigger than our flaws he's bigger than our wrong motives and I think that's how we can have joy we can say God you're in control this is your stuff in our text today, Paul makes a statement that's pretty shocking. He says, I can have joy in life or death. Now maybe you've grown up around the church and you've heard this text before, you're familiar that when he says, hey, I can, if I live, great, if I die, even better. You don't hear people talk like that in our world today. People don't say, hey, if I live, good, if I die, eh, great. That's, we don't hear people talk like that. Everybody is concerned with making their life longer, aren't we? We want to be healthy. We want to live our best life. We want to live a long life. And that isn't bad. That isn't wrong to want to live a long life. But our motivation behind it matters. Why do we want to live a long life? Is it because we're trying to hold on to everything that this life has to offer, that this world has to offer? As much pleasure and experiences that we can have and or maybe we just again have this vision of like you know living on our own private island with our boat fishing every day. Like that'd be great but Is that just focused on myself? Or maybe we want to live a long life because it's like, hey, I've got kids and grandkids, and I want to leave a legacy of faith. I want to impact more people for Christ because that's the big picture. That's what God's up to in this world. He's redeeming people. He's restoring what's broken. We can get off center, and we can say, I can start living for all this other stuff over here. He says, no, come back to the middle. Come back to what really matters, Verse 21 says, for to me, living means living for Christ, and dying is even better. Paul knew there was a very good chance he could die. He didn't know if he was going to get out of prison. And he came to terms with that. He said, I'm here because God wants me here. I'm proclaiming the gospel in Rome. He said, if I die, I get to go be with Jesus. He knew his eternity was secure. He knew what happens after this life. And he said, I don't have to live in this sinful, broken world anymore. I can go be with Jesus. So that's how he could say, hey, living is good. I'm good. I'm in prison. You know, life's hard, but I got Jesus, and I'm right in the center of His will. Or, I die, and I can go be with Him, and that's even better. The good news of the gospel is that we can have joy in life or in death. That is rare. People don't talk like that in our world. I don't know if you've experienced that, but People are focused on this life only, typically. Verse 22, he says, I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between the two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which is better for me. He says, I know if I go be with Christ, it's better for me. But for your sake, it is better that I continue to live. Because he knew that if he lived, he could continue to encourage the church, that maybe he'd get free and he could leave this house, this prison, and he could go be with them in person. He could continue to build the kingdom and spread the gospel. See, Paul could have joy amidst his circumstances because he was centered in the the purpose that God had for him. He knew why he was there. We can have joy amidst any situation because our joy is not dependent on our circumstances. Our joy is rooted in Jesus. That can't be taken away, right? See, the gospel makes this life make sense. What if we saw all of life in light of God's purpose? See, the gospel is his plan. It's his story from beginning to end. It's what he is doing and he's invited us into. What if we saw our lives in light of the gospel rather than trying to figure out, well, God, why is this thing happening over here or why is this situation over here happening or this bad thing and we're trying to make sense of it all on our own? He says, no, come back to the center. Center yourself in the gospel. Jesus and life begins to make sense. You find your purpose. You find your identity. You find why we're here on planet Earth in the first place. People are wondering that all the time. Why am I here? How did I get here? You're here because God put you here. He created you. Amen. He loves you. Amen. And He has a purpose for your life. And all of the stuff that goes on in this broken world, the heartache, the hard things that we deal with, He's working it all together. Paul was in prison, it wasn't a good situation. He could be executed. Not good, but he had joy amidst it because he said, I'm in Christ, I'm in Jesus and I can persevere because to live, that's good. To die, I'd be with Jesus, it's okay. Imagine if we lived our lives centered in the gospel every day, the joy that we would have. To be able to let go of um, fear of people, just say, I'm just going to live my life. I'm going to be the person that God's called me to be. I'm going to speak with boldness and tell you about Jesus. Yeah, not in a preachy, you know, yelling at someone on a street corner way, but with love and grace. And imagine the joy we would have if we could let go of any judgmental attitudes in our heart and just say, God, this is your kingdom. It's your church. I just get to be a part of it. And so whatever those people are doing that we're always trying to judge and fix God, they're yours. You got it. Imagine the joy we could have if we could just let go of that. And imagine the joy that we could have if we could truly say, hey, to live is pretty awesome. I got some goals, some things I want to accomplish in life, but to die, it's even better. I mean, that's really believing in eternity, isn't it? That's really believing in the reality that the life after this life is better. I think a lot of us don't really believe that. A little bit afraid. And we're like, I don't know. Heard about heaven? I've heard it's good, but uh, I like to go to Arizona, or I like to, you know, wherever. I don't know where you like to go, but so, so. But we we tend to kind of overglorify life here on this earth, and God says, no. There's something so much better coming. See, the center of the universe is not in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I told you that at the beginning. The center of the universe is not a place. The center of the universe is a person. His name is Jesus. When we center ourselves in Christ, in Jesus, life begins to make sense. doesn't mean we're going to have all the answers, but it answers the big questions. Why am I here? God, what are you doing? Does my life matter? Yeah, it does. It's found in Jesus. And that's the good news for us. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that we have this letter from Paul in Paul was just a man, just a person like us that you used. But he was a person who was humble and submitted to your call on his life. And Lord, we may not all be called to be missionaries or to go and start churches all over over the world. But God, we've all been called to be your followers. And Jesus, maybe some of us know you. We've heard about you, but we haven't made you the center of our lives we haven't made you our everything so God this morning maybe we need to realign maybe we need to come back to the center and say Jesus you're the most important thing to me and I pray that in this room God you would just stir the hearts stir our hearts help us to see where maybe we've compromised or given things away and drifted from you Lord, we just get to live in this kingdom, this beautiful family that you've created and that will go on for eternity. And Lord, we thank you that we can live without fear. We can live with joy. God, we can can have joy in our lives. Wherever we're at, whatever circumstance we're in, we can have joy. Because of you, Jesus, we thank you. In your name, amen.
0: Josh left us with a few takeaways from today's service. Joy for Gospel Boldness Everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. Boldness for Jesus doesn't mean that we're belligerent with the gospel. The way we communicate a message can be just as important as the message itself. Boldness is taking action with the gospel in spite of the risk. For us, boldness might look like taking a relational risk, speaking the truth in love. Wrong Motives They preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely. A Judgmental Attitude Kills Joy Focusing on the spread of gospel gives joy, because it's aligning with God's heart. Joy in life or death Paul's life was centered on the gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news of the gospel is that we can have joy in life or in death, because this life isn't all there is. The next life is actually much better. We can have joy amidst any situation, because our joy is not dependent on our circumstances. Our joy is rooted in Jesus. Discussion Questions Can you think of a time that you had a judgmental attitude towards another Christian or ministry? How did that affect your heart? Why do you think it is possible to have joy over the spread of the gospel in spite of wrong motives? Thanks for listening, Missio family. We'll see you again next week.